Welcome back in episode two, season one, Around the Boards Resurrection Podcast. Full title is staying. I just decided right now. Once again, I am your host, Nick Schmidt, alongside me. Buddy Peck, Alex Peck, how you doing? Uh, doing well, Nick. I'm going to next your idea of keeping the word resurrection in our podcast. You would like to take that out. I'm glad that we've decided now to have this conversation. Not a resurrection. Um, the first episode, yeah, we, we resurrected, resurrected around the boards. Uh, now it's back. Okay. Good call. Good, All right. Good conversation. All right, so now it is around the boards, the podcast, so... Uh, without further ado, let's just get started here. Um, buddy, how you doing today? We're feeling good. We're, we are feeling great. Buddy um, and I are headed to game five yep. immediately following the taping of this podcast. So it's an exciting day. Um, and just overall, how's your day been, bud? Uh, day is good. Yesterday, Big Islander win, as you all know. Uh, Big Islanders fan over here. So very excited uh, after what I saw yesterday. And I can't wait to get into that series and how much of a freaking bitch bruce cassidy is oh boy oh boy uh, we are cursing on this podcast right you, I think... <laughs> you decided that last week yeah, when gr- you said about point. 100 swear words yeah so... no you're right okay okay all right so let's just hop right on into it then um first of all we just got to do this first because buddy wanted me to do this on the podcast so crack and open a cold one right before game five <laughs> I need to calm my nerves because I don't think I can handle being in that building tonight. I'm scared for my life. Oh, it's going to be fine. All right, all right. Buddy is very confident. You're too worried. Um, Okay, so jumping right on into it. We're going to start with last week, game seven? No, game six was the night that we... No, game seven was the night that we we did the podcast right before it. So, obviously, as you all probably know... um, it's uh, Toronto melted down yet again and lost that one after leading that series three to one as Montreal moved on and obviously since then has won their next series. But we'll get into that later. Right now we're talking about Toronto and the absolute insane meltdown that has happened once again. Buddy, start us off here. Unbelievable what is happening in Toronto. And honestly, Nick, I don't think we should stay on it too long because... It, oh, I have it, a lot to say. Do you really? Yes. Okay. Uh, the only things that I really want to call out uh, are the salary cap, and obviously with COVID, no one can predict, uh, you know, the, the cap staying flat. Uh, but the signing of Mitch Marner, boy, does that look bad now. Uh, I still think that they should hold course. They've got some of the most talented guys in the okay. league. The problem here is that they just don't have enough money. Okay, so here's where, yeah, that's exactly what I had written down towards the end of it. Does Toronto need to break up the band? You're saying stay the course hang in there even though they're cap locked i'm i'm saying stay the course uh matthews marner Tavares, and nylander uh combined for over 40 million dollars which is astronomically high uh insanity but they all have at least uh all sorry i have this written down i brought stats yeah, I'm, I'm very shocked i did right a little now. work this time i thought for sure he would pull up like a game on his ipad or something <laughs> but he's got real notes here let's um, hear them between marner matthews Tavares, and nylander their big four is people call them uh they all have at least three more years left on their deals so meaning they have a three-year window to try and make it work with this group yep do they resign who's to say uh i say stick it out for three years right um because in three years what what's marner 25 six seven like in that area like yeah that, that right whole before, group is, well not right nowadays that's that's a player's prime yeah, i would say yeah. yeah i mean Tavares is gonna be on the old side yeah. I'm sure they'll want to probably move on from him and his $11 million cap hit. <laughs> so we'll see if they re-sign him if he wants to stay, maybe take a team-friendly deal. Obviously, he loves it over there. But uh, I say stay the course, let the contracts expire. 
you get more out of Mitch Marner from keeping him on the ice producing than you might in a trade. I mean, we've seen some pretty lopsided trades for star talent recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, there's a guy coming out of Columbus who said he's not going back, and a lot of people have said, uh, you know, on Twitter and around the internet that Seth Jones might be a good landing spot for him up yeah. there in uh, in Toronto. They could use some help on the back end, and he definitely brings that. He's already making $5.4 million annually, so you're probably looking at he's going to be making closer to the 7-8 range, yeah. you would imagine, right? That's what I'd guess. Obviously got to create some cap room there, but I just want to run through it. I mean, what a abysmal franchise Toronto has been. Let's run through it. 2021, loss in seven games to Montreal after leading the series 3-1. to 2020, missed the playoffs. 2019, lost to seven in Boston after leading the series three games to two. 2018, lost to Boston after being down 3-1 in the series, but they were up 4-3 to three in game seven as they allowed Boston to score four, th- four third period goals in a game seven to win. That sucks. 2017, lost to Washington in six. Can you really blame them? Washington was destined to win that year, uh, but they lost games one, five, and six in overtime in that series. 2013, the most memorable series uh, that I can remember of, not even just the, uh, like, I'm obviously diehard Avalanche fan. This is the most memorable hockey series I can ever remember as they were down three to one in the series. They fight back to even it up at three and in game seven, up by two goals with a minute and 23 seconds left and they lose in overtime. Before that, they had missed the playoffs every year from 26 to 2013, and there was a lockout in 05, so they hadn't made the playoffs before that since 04. Woof. Yeah, that is a running record of just poor performances and those poor fans up in Toronto. People want to blame Dubas, but I don't think you can. It's This has been happening for uh, over almost two decades now. Yeah, I mean, it's clear the Leafs are cursed. The, you know, we're not here to debate that. The curse that. of what, though? I, you I look know. at you know, you got, you got the curse of the Billy Goat in sure. Chicago. You've got the per- curse of the Babe in Boston with the Red Sox. What has cursed Toronto? Nothing horrible has happened there. There's nothing. What, the curse of incompetence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the curse of incompetence. How do they write the ship there oh boy um i I still say stay the course i still think that they have a talented team to win but i think for me it's more of a mindset now i mean look what you just read off how many of those were game seven losses all but one all but one that you just read off i mean they have to figure out a way to win in big spots and they can't you know go into a game and get no goals out of mitch marner yeah 2013 obviously you can't blame their core that they have now none of those guys were around uh but you know 20 this year 2019 2018 you had Matthews, you had Marner. There's a lot of reasons that you probably should have been able to win those games, and you just never got it done. Goaltending also an issue. Yeah. Okay. We said we wanted to keep it kind of brief, so we will. Uh, well, you said you wanted to keep uh, it I said, yeah. Buddy runs this podcast yeah, now that he yeah. brings notes one time, thinks he runs it. <laughs> All right. So let's keep it going with that same train. They melt down against Montreal. Montreal goes into the next series feeling good after coming back from 3-1. Turns out they were feeling real good as they just boat raced the Winnipeg Jets. 4-0 series win. Sweep them. Moving on. Montreal never trailed in the series. Electric. An electric team. electric. I mean, (laughs) the way that Montreal's playing, how could you not want to root for them? Yeah. Uh, They play the game the right way. They're stingy defensively. They trap you in a similar style to the Islanders, in my opinion. Cole Caulfield Um, is a short king. Uh, for us short people, he's for five uh, foot seven. Yeah, he's shorter than me. Hey, he's we, shorter than you. Hey, we love short kings. Yeah, <laughs> my my driver's license is five eight, but I think my girlfriend's is otherwise. Um, 
However, she's actually. I think Jess has a little notches I, I, on the wall. Yeah, where she checks Buddy's Buddy's height every day. Yeah, yeah, it keeps going lower. <laughs> Somehow he's getting shorter. Yeah. So we love Cole Caulfield around here, Obviously. and the fact that he and uh, Cockneyemi didn't start. I believe the first two games. It might have been the first three of the Toronto series. I believe. Yeah. I know it's the first two for yep. sure. Uh, insane considering they're two of their best players and Kakanemi and Caulfield that core in Montreal is so sick it's so easy to root for them yeah. it's so easy like yeah. it's it's I mean Pete Blackburn obviously a very big name on Twitter he's a, a Boston fan Boston Montreal one of the biggest rivalries in hockey and even he says it's hard to not root for yeah. the team up in Montreal um, some notes some news and notes on that series that I have longest postseason winning streak now seven games for the Habs longest since 93 Outscored their opponents 24-12 to 12 in that stretch, and they have not trailed Buddy for the last 7 hours, 17 minutes, and 53 seconds of ice time, which is 437 minutes of ice time that they have not trailed, and they didn't trail the last three wow. games to, uh, to Toronto, and they did not trail at all in that series. That's wild. You could watch <laughs> Irishman two and a half times. That's that a full long. work day. Yeah, that's a, that's a yeah. full day of work. That, that's that they clock just in, clock out. Yep, very cool. <laughs> that is insane. So I think uh, what the next point that I want to kind of move on to is how fraudulent is Edmonton, dude? They get swept by by Winnipeg, and Winnipeg goes on to just not even look competitive against uh, yeah against against Montreal. We saw the same thing in 2019 with Pittsburgh. They got swept in four by the Islanders. Islanders move on, get swept by Carolina. Yeah. Uh, what does it say about Edmonton? It says that there are even more problems than we thought there were the last podcast we did. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy, does Edmonton need to figure something out. I yeah. mean, they just don't play defense. And we're going to talk about Seth Jones later, but he's another guy. He's, yeah. That's another place that I yeah. could see him landing. Um, but not to get too much on the Edmonton train right now because we're trying to stay on Montreal and just how good this team is. A couple other notes I have to Foley. Four goals, six points, six assists for ten points, including a series winner for them in the playoffs so far. Corey Perry leading the team with two power play goals. Right next to that, I have in parentheses it says "not annoying." <laughs> somehow, Corey Perry. This team is so likable that somehow Corey Perry isn't an annoying player. Like I hate Corey Perry most years, and for some reason this year he doesn't bother me at all. No, he's been. You know, not dirty. I mean, obviously he had the incidental hit on Tavares in the first yeah, game, but you can't blame him. Incidental, the two know, of them yeah, are buddies. Exactly. Uh, Corey Perry's been awesome, man. He's a pest in front of the net, but he's not doing his his antics that everyone hates him for. Like, yeah, it's just, good. That's what I like to see. Playing great hockey. Yeah. Um, and obviously you got to talk about the dude who's really just getting it done. He only allowed six goals in that series. Um, uh, Carey Price, nine thirty-five goals against Carey Price. I don't think I've heard that name. Oh, really? Yeah. Is he new? No. You didn't take any notes, still? Okay. No. no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Price has been awesome. Though, you know, I mentioned earlier they play that lockdown style. If you get through them, oh, now you have to beat Carey Price. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> the hottest goalie, I would yeah. say, probably in the playoffs uh, right now. I think I'd agree. Some other guys have great teams playing around them, and obviously Montreal has had to play well enough to fight out of a 3-1 series hole and sweep a series. You yeah. can't just rely on your goaltending, but he's been the backstop there for, oh God, dude, I feels like since we were yeah. children that Corey Perry has been the man up in up in uh, Montreal. So. And it's good to see him having some more playoff success. You know, it's been a while since Montreal has, has kind of gotten here, right? And especially, yep. Yep. you know, they're, they're the team out of, out of Canada. They're going to, re- they're going to represent that country. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So, yeah. Uh, you know, all to get boat raced by Vegas or, or Colorado. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I would like to say it's going to be close. Mm-mm. Montreal's got a fun team. They're young. Their core is going to be really good down the line. But right now, 
they're not at that level. Corey... They're going to get eaten alive, <laughs> dude. It's going to be bad. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting, and obviously we'll get to Colorado and Vegas later because my stomach can't take it right now. I need a couple more beers before we get to that point. Um, but, I mean, overall, just great for them and uh, great yeah. for the Canadian government coming to an agreement with the NHL to allow them to cross the border for their series so they'll have fans. Now, that's something we can talk about. We'll just touch on it real quick because I want to keep moving yeah, on here. Sure, sure. But, man, if it's Colorado, well, it's going to be Colorado or Vegas. Vegas already at 100%. Yep. Ball Arena uh, allowed to go to 100% uh, starting next round. We'll talk about how dumb that is later because <laughs> the the abs are going to play. If the abs play game seven, it will be Saturday night and they'll be allowed 56%. And if the, Nug- the Nuggets are playing game two on Friday night and they're allowed 100%. No way. Yeah. Are you it's, serious? It's dumb. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But right now, I just want to touch on real quick. How much of an advantage is that going to be for Colorado or Vegas being at 100%? And then you go back to Montreal and they got 500 people uh, or whatever. Dude, it's a huge, oh. it's a huge advantage. It's like, it's like the Western team is going to be at home. And then the, the northern or Montreal is yeah. going to be at a neutral site. Is yeah. more or less what it's going to be. Uh, I mean, we saw, you know, going back to that Toronto-Montreal series, Montreal was the first team to bring back fans yep. for that, and they had a huge win. You know, you get the crowd behind you. Uh, we've had many instances of players coming out and saying, hey, like, this makes a huge difference. Yeah, it's it's true. It's real. Yeah. It's it's a thousand percent real. Uh, and that's, you know, half the reason we say Montreal is going to get boat raced. It really you know, Winnipeg, Montreal, <laughs> or Edmonton would have gotten boat raced. I don't, yeah. I don't know if Toronto would have, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think Toronto, Toronto can't get out of the first round. Yeah, so you know, I don't even right. know why we're having this yeah, conversation. Never mind. <laughs> uh, All right, yeah, yeah, scrap that. Idea. Let's go back to teams that have made it out of the first round. Moving on, your boys, the New York Islanders, Ooh. are currently holding a three to two series lead over the Boston Bruins after going into Boston, beating the crud out of them for two periods, and it. then melting down at the end. But holy on. Holding on. Holding on for the win. Give us your thoughts. Uh, great win by our New York Saints, as Bruce Cassidy called them. Yeah, please touch on that a yeah. little bit, because I saw it going around on Twitter. I didn't see the Cassidy presser, so please enlighten me Cassidy. a little bit on what is happening here as I grab another beer over your shoulder. Yes, please do. All right. Cassidy has been crying to the media uh, after that Game 5 loss for his Bruins. Oh, it is so frustrating to hear him say stuff about how he thinks the refs are on the Islander side. Yeah, because, you know, the national media and the referees want uh, the New York Islanders to get to the cup final. You know, a team with... Ah, yes, a team with a very large following, yeah, a very big market. Yeah, yeah, you know, one of the biggest... Like, come on, Bruce, what are you doing? Um, he criticized the refereeing in Game 5, uh, which the refereeing against the, or, you know, the refereeing in that game missed many calls against Boston. Uh, so the argument there could be that the refs actually helped Boston. Sure. There were multiple calls uh, that they missed, including an elbow uh, on Scott Mayfield, um, as well as Bovillia getting pulled down on a, on a nice play. But, uh, you know, I'm not here to, to discuss the refs. I'm talking about <laughs> stupid Bruce Cassidy. And then he complained that the refs don't have enough respect for Patrice Bergeron. Uh, That's yes. something he said, too, because the day before, Barry Trotz came out and said, uh, he was talking about face-offs, and Pajot's been fantastic against Bergeron in the series, believe it or not. And Trotz mentioned that, you know, Bergeron, he's one of these veteran guys. I mean, he, you know, he's he's mid to late 30s, one of the best face-off men in the league, because guys in that range, 
they cheat a little on the draws. Sure. Uh, and everybody does it. Yeah. Trots, it's a veteran thing. It's a veteran you know, thing. You earn that right, yeah. just like with anything else, with, with guys that are, you know, notoriously clean players or dirty players, they're going to get the calls for or against right. them. It's just, it's part of the league. And as much as we hate it, and we do hate refs on this yes. show because we oh, got a lot of grievances. We, we boo the refs when they come out. Uh, we certainly do. <laughs> but that is just part of the game. That's part of the game. And Trotz mentioned it during his press conference, not to slight Bergeron, but to just tell, you know, the media, like, hey, you know, like, this guy's great, but, you know, everybody is pulling their stick off the ice when they have to keep it on in the defensive zone. Sure. Uh, either, you know, uh, Bergeron's still doing that. Uh, and what's funny is in Game 5, they kicked Bergeron out of the faceoff dot multiple times. Uh, so maybe that kind of got the attention of the refs, and they kind of realized, hey, yeah, this guy is cheating on, you know, nearly every draw he takes. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, Bruce Cassidy is just complaining that his team lost and the refs weren't on his side. And, and then he, he calls the Islanders the New York Saints, which I'm not really sure if he means that in, like, the – the dirty bounty type of way, like the Saints were from like years, the New years, Orleans years Saints? ago. Yeah, I don't, That's I don't know. I That's what I thought first. too. But yeah. I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe he just meant that, like, you know, the Islanders are trying to come across as this team that, uh, you know, plays the right way and doesn't take a lot of penalties. The Islanders were the least penalized team in the league this year. The Bruins, yeah. I believe, were the third most. Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, don't <laughs> take. That many penalties because the Islanders went three for four on the power play yesterday, yeah. and that was a huge reason why they won. Any any playoff series is going to be big on a special teams battle like that, right? It's very important to win those special teams battles. But when you're on the road in Game Five, uh, which I have a little a little stat about Game Five oh. here, uh, which I would like to read out to you. I, I would love to listen. Um, but you know you can't be taking just to end that point. You can't be taking stupid penalties in Game no. Five because it's a pivotal game. We talked about it. You've called me four times today, and I, have. I <laughs> and we've talked it's not about enough, it. honestly. <laughs> and we've talked about it that that Game Five is an absolute pivotal game. It was for the Isles last night. It will be for the Avalanche tonight. Yep. Um, and but here's a little stat I have. So teams that win Game Five uh, in a two-two series go on to win the series seventy-eight point eight percent of the time. Nick, is that good? That's good. Okay. It's also, it's not as good as if the home team wins game five, which I think is weird because it, the home team actually has a higher, we'll get to that later. <laughs> I'm trying sure. to collect my thoughts Hey, here. words are hard. I got it. <laughs> road teams win, road teams that win game five of a 2-2 series go on to win the series 75.5% of the time. That's really good. They have they have a three fourths chance of winning this series. Yeah. Now, if they go home and they blow this series to, or they blow the game, game six, six to um, Boston. to Boston, and they go back for a seven, it's going to be much tougher, right? Uh, I'd I imagine. Did have the stat here somewhere, but uh, I'll find it. I'll... Oh, look who has no notes. Oh, look who's no, not no, no, no. I have it. I have it. I have it. Wow. Uh, this is my podcast. Now. <laughs> Teams that win Game Five in a two to three series, as the Bruins would be the road team, they would still only win twenty one percent of the time. Wait, so if the Bruins won Game Five after being on home ice, three two? No, yes, if they won Game Five on home ice. Okay, hang on. They win Game because Five because that, that's what the scenario was yesterday. Correct, they played Game correct. Five in Boston. Correct. What's their percentage to win the series? Do you have that? The, the Islanders' chance? No, the the Bruins' chance. If they had won yesterday. Wait. You're saying if they had won game five. I think I've screwed this whole thing up. Yes. Okay. If the Bruins had won yesterday, their ch- percent chance of winning the series would be 80.6. That uh, is the, if the home team wins game five in a two to two series, then it would be, <laughs> you're throwing me off, dude. I had numbers and you're throwing me off. Don't blame me. You're the guy with the laptop. If 
if they had won game five, yeah, being two to two, sure. the Bruins would have had an eighty point six percent chance of winning the series. Oh, okay. But because they lost the road team as a seventy, the road team if the road team wins game five of a two two series, then they have a seventy five point five percent chance of and, winning. And I series. assume that five percent difference comes from home ice advantage in game seven. Well, because exactly, yeah, okay. exactly, because that's where that's what I think. So it's it's just. Very interesting because now, like I said, if the Islanders go home and they blow the series at two to, at uh, you know they're up three two now. If they go home and then they they force blow game, game seven. six, yeah. you know, at home and then they have to go back to game seven. It's uh, obviously um, the home team has the advantage there, sure. but it's not okay. It's basically fifty fifty. Anything can happen in a game seven. There's no real advantage yeah, there. I see. Um, thanks for making my stats sound dumb after oh, I, I did you. a lot of work today. That's, that's all I do. <laughs> thanks for really throwing that one off. I anyway, you did a great job, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Anyway, where are we at? Twenty one minutes. Okay, cool. Let's move it on. Or sure. Uh, give me actually, your, give me your thoughts. Give me a few thoughts more things. Here. Yeah. Um, Jake DeBrus stinks. Okay. He was a healthy scratch. Uh, Remember when the Bruins took him over Matt Barzal? Three times. They took DeBrusque, Zach Senishin, and Jake Zaborl, two of which aren't playing. And Jake DeBrusque was a healthy scratch. And Barzal scored yesterday. Bruins, uh, three picks right before the Islanders took Matt Barzal. So funny. And they didn't take him with any of those picks, just to clarify. The Bruins could have taken Kyle Connor, Matt Barzal. Woof. There was uh, Brock Besser, I believe. Don't, don't quote me on that. Uh, there was somebody else down there that they could have taken in that, that realm of, of skill. Uh, they are absolutely – it's just so funny that that happened. Um, Barzell is finally going. Um, you know, he was pretty invisible in that Pittsburgh series, uh, and he's really picked it up here in the Boston series. Uh, kind of flip-flopping with the, the Nelson line, which is kind of funny. The, that Nelson line was dominant in Pittsburgh, and they've been good here too, but just not not as good as they were against the Penguins. Yeah, um, definitely. And, man, Semyon Verlamov. You know, I, I was calling for Ilya Sorokin in game uh, oh, four. Oh, I know. Yeah. Anybody who has ever been on the internet seems to know that <laughs> after all your tweets about I, Varlamov. I, I did not like the Varlamov slander, by the way. I've never tweeted before. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> Varlamov, absolutely fantastic. Oh, Nick pulled up the draft. Let's, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. see. I can give you all these guys right now. Yeah. So they they took Zaborl, DeBrusque, Senshin. Matt Barzal goes next. Then they could have taken Kyle Connor, great player. Thomas Shabbat. Kyle Connor's a top-line winger who scores 30 goals a year. Kyle Connor is elite. Thomas Shabbat and Kel McCarr are going to reset the defenseman market this yeah. year. Evgeny Sveshnikov. Elite. Eh. No, Evgeny. Okay. That's, wait, oh, is that Detroit? That's oh. the Detroit. Oh, okay. Yeah, Never yeah, mind. Not, Never wrong mind. One. not wrong Andre. One. Yeah. Uh, Joel <laughs> Eriksson-Eck. Uh, yeah, he's a fine player. And then I'm just going to read off some of the big names. Hey, Eriksson Ek isn't a healthy scratch, so still a, a plus over the three guys they took. Exactly. Then you're looking at, you know, like you said, Brock, Brock Besser. Brock I was right, dude. Uh, yes, you were, if you would let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> and the last guy that I would say is probably better than uh, than Debrask, maybe Jack Roslevic. Travis Konechny better than J- uh, Anthony Bovillier yeah. is better than him. Oh, let's keep going. The, uh, I just have the first round. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, you don't. Oh, wait, Here's round two. Anybody on here? Sebastian Ajo, <laughs> oh, very cool. Uh, who else is here? Uh, I was reading Mackenzie names. Blackwood's really good. Daniel Sprong is Rupe good. Hintz. Ooh, he's got a cool what name. What the hell is a Rupe Hintz? I have no idea. <laughs> Vince Dunn's a good player. Oliver Showington, he's going to be good someday. Dude, I still – Jeremy Bracco, I don't know. Is he in the league yet? Uh, I haven't seen him at all. Yeah, but I don't know. 
That's okay, because now we're into the third round, and obviously those we're gonna are... do all seven. No, we're not. Fine. We're not. I'm gonna take Buddy's <laughs> hand off my computer. All right, Buddy. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say the Islanders close this one out in Game Six. Give me your last second prediction because we have to move on. We do. Uh, Islanders in six, and you're gonna hear that in my locks of the week later. Okay, cool. So we both have Islanders in six taking it tomorrow night in the Collie, which I don't know if it's the way that they're producing it on television. It is the loudest arena coming yeah. through my TV speakers. It's the loudest arena. They are the best fans in hockey. Well, uh, <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Well, we'll talk. We'll, we'll agree to disagree. We'll, we'll have okay. a whole podcast about that. I, we're going to need to fill a lot of off-season time here. There's nothing better, like you said last week, than starting a podcast with in the four weeks left <laughs> yeah. in the season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this has great legs to run. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, moving on. We both have the Isles and Six in that one. Obviously, Montreal calls it out in the first round. So, we're going to keep it uh, in the Central Division as Buddy cracks open his next one. Right now, we're both drinking Sam Adams Porch Rockers. They are lemon lemon rattlers. I have not had this before, but Ooh, it's quite very good. good. Yeah, okay. got to support Boston in their trying times right now. <laughs> but he's throwing a little bit of shade there. So moving on, we're looking at the Tampa Bay and Carolina series. Tampa Bay currently holding a three to one lead as they head back to Carolina right now, actually. Which we said we were going to have that game up while we while we were talking, but obviously we we, <laughs> well, we do what we usually did. Uh, we lie. Uh, okay. So heading back to Carolina, my notes, Tampa Bay is still operating $10 million over the cap. Nothing has changed. Yeah, what else is new? <laughs> Your uh, thoughts? <laughs> my, my thoughts on Tampa Carolina because I made no notes for all these series. Um, it's just – It's tough, man. They're it's so tough. good. It's... Ta- Tampa's just a juggernaut, and even without Stamkos and Kucherov, they're so good. But, you know, you get those two back, your, your team is just so much deeper. And honestly, the big problem for me with Carolina is, is the problem they've had for the last couple of years goaltending yep and i like ned i think he has a great career ahead of him delkovich i nailed it this time that one's for you kemper i heard what you said Uh, (laughs) just call him ned (laughs) alexander nadelkovich yeah i've got nadelkovich owen two in the series he misses he blows both of them and he played great man he played great He he loses two 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 to one games in uh, at home in Carolina, they head to Mrazic as they go back to Tampa. Mrazic goes one and one. Reimer hasn't seen the ice yet. Is healthy according to the stat sheet. We're not seeing. You don't think we see James Reimer. Reimer? No, I don't think we see James Reimer. You know what? I could probably just look and see if he started tonight because why would we do oh, any work? If on James this Reimer started tonight, I'm gonna lose my mind. Okay. There's no way. First of all. Okay, before you pull it up, Ned should have started, in my opinion. That's what you think? That I think Ned, he's pulling it up right now. Yep. Let's, he okay. He All did. right. So me and Rod Brindamore are one and the same. He has three saves on three shots to start this game. That's fantastic. <laughs> okay, let's relax here. Dude, he's... <laughs> I'm not going to say the word. <laughs> he's... Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Pitching, pitching a... He's pitching a something. <laughs> he's pitching a something. Um, uh, we're rooting for Carolina. The secret word is... Shut out. <laughs> Dude. Damn, now Tampa's going to score. I can't believe it. Um, if they do, I'll feel bad. Uh, because I'm rooting for Carolina in this series. How Obviously, nobody. It, Tampa Bay is the evil empire at this yeah. point of hockey. You know, we used to think it was Toronto. No, I just kind of feel bad for Toronto. Tampa's I, the evil empire yes. after what they've done. Absolutely. Um, I hate it. I mean, we talked about it on the last show. The, the problem here now is that Carolina's down 3-1. They're playing uh, that pivotal game five right now. Uh, so if they pivotal, can, pivotal game five, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, it's, I, it's still important. But yeah. you know, we we've seen one team come back from down three one already. It, listen, it's not impossible. <laughs> the problem is they're not playing one, Toronto. Yeah, they're not playing <laughs> Toronto. Uh, they're not playing the best goalie in the NHL. So true. Um, 
I, I have a stat on that as well. I'm really into these stats of teams that win certain games and the percentage it. that they go on to. Teams that win game four to go up three to one in a series win the series 89.5% of the time. And the team, if they're the home team as they win game four, they go on to win the series 86.9% of the time. So that gives Tampa Bay about an 87% chance. You also look at their rosters, and I give Tampa Bay a 100% chance to <laughs> yeah. win the series. Yeah, once you compare the two rosters together on paper, it's like, all right, yeah. We're four games in, no one on Carolina scored twice in this series. Really? Is that yes. true? Wow. They need Ajo. They need the special cough, the good one. Uh, so, so Nick brings the stats, and I bring the looks. <laughs> the looks of a podcast. The looks of a podcast. Yes. Hey, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Okay, moving on. All right, so moving on here, we're let's move to the Western Division, the Honda West Division finals as Colorado is taking on Vegas. Uh, they're tied 2-2, coming back here to Denver tonight. Like I said earlier, Buddy and I heading on over to Ball Arena, a.k.a. the Sack. <laughs> what, a, what a great name for Horrible. Arena. Horrible. Yeah, just, just the worst. Uh, it's Pepsi Center, in my opinion. Yeah, the can. Uh, Nick, uh, this series is all yours. Let's hear it. It's been a goaltending battle so far, as everybody thought it was going to be. You look at, uh, you know, Grubauer's played great for the first uh, two games. Didn't really have to do a whole lot in game one as they just boat raced him 7-1. to Was never close. Buddy, <laughs> Buddy went and bought popcorn at the game. He was like, I'm not even at the game anymore. We're at a movie. <laughs> and he just went and bought popcorn. I thought he was kidding when he left. And he came back with popcorn. <laughs> so I, I pick up popcorn because I'm like, I'm not worried about this game in, in any sense. Uh, I no, grabbed... at, at this point, it's the third period and the ads are up 6-1. Yeah, it was disgusting. Um, and then yesterday is Islanders game five. Correct. Isles go up 5-2. I text Nick. I say, Nick, I'm grabbing popcorn. Oh, you called me. I, oh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I call people. It's easier. Um, Seven calls from Buddy in the last 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, complain about it. Um, okay, I called you. I grabbed the popcorn. And what do the what do the Bruins do? Score fucking two goals immediately. immediately. Yeah, I'm immediately. like, oh, okay, popcorn's going away. <laughs> so yeah, I, it was they both raised him in game one. Grubauer has a great game two, holds him in there, player of the game easily to steal a game two where they got outplayed for probably about forty minutes in that game. They head back to Vegas. The Avs just get stomped on two straight games, and they had a lead in Game Three, which is wild. They had a they had a two one lead with just about five minutes to go, and uh, allowed two goals in forty five seconds, and end up losing that one in regulation. And then uh, Game Four wasn't even really close. So the way I have it written down is both teams two and zero at home. Both teams have had a clunker of a game. You look at Game One for Vegas, none of their skaters showed up, and obviously they're. With Leonard in that game instead of uh, instead of Flurry for rest reasons, um, uh, and then the Avs don't show up in Game Four. So now we're heading to Game Five. Nick, yes. If you're Jared Bednar, yeah, and you're walking into that locker room, oh, I know Game Five, saying. yeah. What are you saying? I'm saying, hey, Patrick Nemeth, sit the hell down. <laughs> Bo Byram, put your stuff on. But for some reason, Jared fucking Bednar won't do that. I don't. I don't. So so you're giving Patrick Nemeth a ticket to the game in the 300 section so he's as far away no, as possible. No, no, no. No, no, no. He can stand in the parking lot. <laughs> he might turn it over from the 300 level. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Good. He had so many horrible turnovers in game four. He's been their worst player in the last two games. Bednar continues to beat this drum of... of Byram hasn't played in two months. I don't want to throw a kid in to a high-danger situation against one of the, the best team, the other best team in the league. You know, they're ranked one and two in the league for a reason. Uh, but he continues to throw 
Patrick Nemeth out there night after night because he can kill penalties and he, he's an experienced veteran. We said this before the show. The worst version of Bowen Byram is still better than the ceiling of yeah. Patrick Nemeth. I, it, it's blasphemy to me that Bowen Byram doesn't. Now, I don't think the lines came out for tonight's game yet. No, Benner won't release the lines uh, before a game, but a lot of ah, writers so can. Trots. A lot of uh, you know beat writers and stuff for the Avs who will, are allowed to go to the practices. If I could have been there today, I would have, but COVID sure. restrictions. Uh, they can see who stays on the ice, who gets off with the regulars, and right. who stays on after practice for extra optional work. Most of the time, the guys that stay on for extra optional work aren't playing i.e. Nazem Kadri today, Carl Soderberg, and Kiefer Sherwood both stayed on. They played in Game 4. That's interesting. I didn't know, and maybe this is going to make me sound really stupid. Probably. Probably most things do. I didn't know that a suspended player can practice with the team. Yes, they're still allowed to practice with the team. Yes, yes, yes. So they just can't play. Also, side note, we're going to get to suspensions in a little bit. Nazem Kadri's eight-game suspension upheld by the independent arbitrator, so no further roads for him to go. He has to sit until Game 7 if yeah. there is a Game 7. If necessary. Um, tough loss for the Avs that I really thought that would turn around, but we'll get to that in a little bit because I want to just keep uh, humming here a little bit on the Avs. Um, so we're probably looking at Logan O'Connor got off with the regulars today. He's coming back from injury. Spark plug. Yep. If you don't know the name, he's a spark plug. He's a fourth line guy, but he flies around and he tries his hardest every shift. And I freaking love that dude. Yeah. I, I am, I am the head of the Logan O'Connor <laughs> fan club for he, sure. He plays the game the right way. Your Otto Koivula. That's yep. my Logan O'Connor. Oh, so the, the the fan club that you had is a player who's in the NHL. That's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> it must be uh, nice. More, more, uh, more off-season content yeah, coming there. Yeah. Uh, and then Alex Newhook also got off with the regular. Oh, I today. love Newhook. I did like Good. Newhook a lot too, so I hope he gets in tonight. Good. But the lack of Bowen Byram is really killing me right now. So it's I guess confusing. we'll see what happens. I, it doesn't it's make confusing. any sense. Other notes I have on it are just. Uh, Vegas, for Vegas, Janmark uh, practiced with the team today, so he took a hit from Ryan Graves in game one uh, that uh, has left him out for the last three games, so he's back in the lineup, I believe, tonight, it looks like. Uh, Eric Johnson has practiced with a non-contact jersey. He played the first three games of the season, hasn't touched the ice since, and now he's practicing in a full-contact jersey with the Avs. Really? That would be awesome to get him back in there. Maybe over Nemeth. I don't know. Um... <laughs> yeah, just an idea. And then for the Avs tonight, just the key to the game, you got to get that top line has to get going again. They haven't done anything since being in this building. Uh, and and Kale McCarr needs to resurface well, as well. Well, Nick, that's the key. They're in this building. Isn't it awesome that you're relying on a 22-year-old child <laughs> to come out and resurface to save your yeah. franchise? <laughs> I hate it. Um, all right, what are we at? We're at 34 minutes here, and that is exactly where I wanted to be after the overview. God, I'm so good at this, buddy. Jeez. I'm so good that's at this. That's impressive. I know. Nick made a rundown with, like, times and stuff. He had it perfectly. Just, Somebody hire this guy. I Fuck. Know, I know, right? Like, what are, we, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah, what are we doing? The next topic that Buddy and I have written down, we wanted to talk about the Shifley hit, which we didn't really touch on a whole lot. Probably would have touched on it more if the Montreal series was still going. But we yeah. just wanted to touch on the Montreal hit for the Mark Shifley, which was absolutely egregious. But beyond that, just kind of looking at all the suspensions throughout the playoffs because I have some grievances yeah. to air with yeah. the NHL. But I'll let's talk start on the Shifley thing. I'll start with Shifley and just let you run your freaking mouth with, with everything <laughs> what else. what I do best. Yes, it's true. Uh, I'm, 
I don't know. I actually kind of thought four games was a bit much in the playoffs for that hit. Really? I did. I mean, it was so egregious, though. I. It's an empty net goal in a five to two game. I think it's a hit that we still want eliminated from the game. I think taking him out for the entire now. Listen, they didn't know that it was going to be the entire series, obviously, but he still has one more game left on that. Yeah, as well. yeah, so he's we got to serve that in the regular season, just, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, I would. I mean. Maybe this is picking at straws. I would have been happy with two or three. Uh, that's just me personally. I thought four was a little much, especially in the playoffs. Um, I'm a little like hesitant because Jake Evans has his head down. He drops low. I think it makes it look a little worse for Shifley than it is. Now, I'm not trying to be like, oh, the Shifley hit was fine. It's not, no, obviously. Right. He, you, know, you could have called him for charging on that play. You could have charged really anything. I mean, he... That, that blows the kid up. Officially, in the NHL rulebook, he has been suspended for charging. Oh, it is. For the record, okay. yes. Um, I, again, I think four is a little too much. Three or two I would have been fine with. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to get that hit out of, out of the game. Yeah, you're trying to eliminate things from your game, right? And that's why you suspend guys. That's why you find guys. And that's why you, you try and do everything you can to get things like that out of the game. I just don't understand. I, I get where Shifley's coming from. But to do it like that doesn't make any sense to me. That is a, you are your team's top line center. You are the guy running the ship there. And you're going to, in a game that is, he was just made 5-2. to two, He already had tucked in the wraparound goal. Even if he doesn't tuck that in, it's still 4-2 to two with, what, about a minute left? Yeah. Uh, is it really worth running through a guy, taking a penalty, and getting yourself, I mean, even even if it's just one or two or three games, even if it's a little bit less, is it really worth the idea of taking yourself out of the series for that long uh, to to make a hit on Jake Evans on an empty net goal? It's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. If you want to prove your point, you want to get tough and physical at the end of game one and be like, hey, we're not going to go away. Rough them up after, after the yeah, goal. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, do it, get it, get after it. But do it cleanly. Don't do it like that, and definitely don't do it like Ryan Reeves does. No, and I'll just run with that if you'd like. Yeah, uh, I just want to touch on, I'm going to list out all the suspensions throughout the NHL's playoffs this year. May 17th, Sam Bennett takes a boarding penalty in Game 1 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's suspended one game for that. May 21st, Nazem Kadri checked to the head. Uh, he gets suspended eight games for that. I have a lot to say. Yeah. Uh, May 24th, Josh Archibald of Edmonton takes a one-game penalty for clipping. Edmonton made the playoffs? Eh, it didn't really matter because they got scrammed anyway. Uh, May 31st, second round, Ryan Reeves gets an unsportsmanlike conduct call for pulling chunks of hair out of Ryan Graves' hair. We were there for that. We saw it. It was gross. Whatever. Uh, two games for that. June 3rd, Mark Shifley gets suspended uh, four games for charging on uh, Jake Evans and still has to serve one more game. So you're looking at Overall, the suspensions of one game, one game, two games, four games, eight games. Are you kidding me? What is that? Big cheer. Like, uh, Yeah, I mean, now, in the league's defense, which I hate to do because this is, again, the best sport in the world and the worst league in the world. Best way you can say it. Um, Kadri is a repeat offender. Uh, he is. He's done this multiple times sure. in Toronto. Sure. He does it again here. It's a bad hit. And you want to take it out of the league, yep. out of the game. Yep. Eight games is a is lot. a substantial amount, especially for a team like Colorado, who is you know, they are the odds-on favorite to win Lord Stanley's Cup. 
Yeah. Uh, and you take him out for eight games. That's their second line center. Yeah, and, and even if this game, let's say they he, he's suspended until either game seven or game one of the uh, Stanley Cup semifinals. Is that what they're calling them this year? Because yeah, there's no conference finals. I'm calling them conference finals. Okay, it's right. just easier. That's fine. Yeah, um, you know, the conference final between Colorado and Montreal. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Let's knock on wood, though. Let's touch wood. Uh, Do you have wood? There's, there's a little banister. Oh, hang on. Excuse you me. You All right, good. Um... Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of egregious to me. Just overall, eight games for Kadri is just it really gets to me because the Shifley. The thing is to me is that the um, the unsportsmanlike conduct for Reeves is a after the play one play is stopped. He grabs Ryan Reach, Reeves throws him to the ice, puts his knee into his head, pulls his chunks of his hair out, admits to the league that it was in retaliation to the uh, Janmark hit that Graves had made that Graves had made earlier in the game um, which Janmark don't stare at your three foot passes I don't know what to tell you I I I try not to be biased right now and I don't think it is but Janmark was staring at a three foot pass put his head up just stared at it wasn't looking where he was going and Graves flattened him yeah um and I just don't I just don't get how something after the play like that with an intent to injure with a guy like Reeves, who is also a repeat offender, gets two games and Kadri is taken out for what could be an entire series and what could be an entire series loss against the best team in the league. Granted, who could have seen the fact that the Avs would have gone on to sweep St. Louis? That happened in game two. Who could have seen the fact that the Avs would have gone on to sweep them? But I just... how an independent arbitrator comes out, looks at all the other penalties that the NHL has handed out, and, and what has come of every single, uh, you know, wrongdoing in the league for the last few years, and still say that Nazem Kadri's hit is worth eight games of a playoff series and what would be a 16 games of a regular yeah. season. No way, man. No way. This is Batman's gotten into the year of this of this arbitrator. I don't buy the fact that he is truly third party. Uh, this is. Going on, you know, he went to Batman. Batman upheld it. Batman went to the third party. The third party upheld it. And there's some sneaky shit going on, man. I don't buy it. Sorry, Nick. What did you say? I was watching the Carolina game. I, I didn't. That. I didn't catch any of that. I see that. Yeah. As Carolina <laughs> and Tampa Bay still tied in the first period, 4:28 to go. Let's just start doing play-by-play of the Carolina game. I don't think anybody's going to want that because this is going to come out in a few hours. Oh, yeah. The game will be over. <laughs> All right, sync this podcast up to the four-minute twenty. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I I don't love. Again, I mean, we I mentioned earlier, I don't love the Kadri suspension. I think eight is too much. Uh, again, maybe this is splitting hairs. I think six is fine. If you're going to give Shifley four. Uh, Maybe give Kadri six. I mean, I know he's a repeat offender, and maybe that's why the eight was upheld. Yeah. Uh, but, but still, too, still eight games? I can't, Are you kidding? That's I can't, a lot. I can't sit on this top subject for too long because I, I could talk about yeah. this all day. Yeah, could. I, could, I could bring in every single appearance of, of a uh, of eight eight-game playoff suspension or a 16-game regular season suspension and everything over it. And you're looking at, like, very few, very, very few guys that get a 16-game regular game suspension. You're looking at Rafi Torres, and you're looking at uh, Todd Bertuzzi. And uh, I hate both of those guys, one much more than the other. If I ever saw Todd Bertuzzi on the street, I think he's the only man. He's the only person on earth. There's very few people that I hate on Earth. Sure. I think if I ever saw Todd Bertuzzi, I would I would jump him. Would you? I would I would take that chance. Would it be worth jumping Todd Bertuzzi for him? 
he's got a 90% chance of eating you alive. Oh, he's going to kill me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, he's I, certainly going to kill me. But just to get that first shot off? It'd be, it'd be for Steve Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Just um, making sure. Now, granted, I don't truly know what Todd Bertuzzi looks like anymore. So I don't even, I could have passed him on the street. I don't know. Okay. I think he was working security in your building. <laughs> no, no, that explains why nothing's getting done down there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's move on. Next thing we want to talk about, Seth Jones. Seth Jones has officially said to the Columbus Blue Jackets that he will not be returning as his six-year contract comes to an end this year. Um, he currently has a non or a modified no-movement clause on it. Interesting thing about that, he could waive it for any team that he could see himself going to. He obviously becomes a free agent on July 1st or whatever the July 1st equivalent is for this COVID season. I don't know what the exact day of it is going to be. It's not going to be July 1st. But free agent start date, which is normally July 1st, he will be a free agent. Columbus has to move him before that. They have to. They have to find some sort of buyer who's going to give them a piece to get him first and get him, you know, obviously have contract negotiations with him, get him signed before they make the trade. But it has to be done because if Columbus loses him for nothing, they're once again looking at just another piece that walks away. Line A is unhappy there. Yep. You lose Seth Jones. You've you went all in on it a few years ago when you took out Tampa Bay in four. Yep. When you went and got Duchesne, and you got Rask, and you got all those guys. They lost Panarin. Yep. They lost Bobrovsky, which is probably a good thing. It, it, uh, well, yes, but uh, it's 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 a nightmare there. They can't hold on to their stars in that city. And Nick, let me tell you what they need to do: move. <laughs> Just the, the Columbus Blue Jackets. People Honestly, hate, I mean, maybe people hate Columbus. Apparently. I don't. I actually don't hate that idea. Um. Sorry, Columbus fans, because I know you're all listening to this. Um, what team needs a center? Columbus. What team needs a defenseman? Winnipeg. Hmm. Dubois back to Columbus for Seth Jones. I'm I, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I hate him. Uh, I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois hates it even Pierre-Luc more. Dubois. <laughs> Does Dubois have a no trade right now? Like, What would happen if he gets traded back to Columbus I mean, for Seth he probably Jones? had a modified no If I had to guess, he probably had a I modified no, no trade. And I, I doubt his own team was Why on that I modified that no trade. Why would I look that up? <laughs> okay. But let's talk about real landing spots sure. where we could see him going. Fine. The first thing I have written down is Detroit. Huge draft capital up no there. No way. Iserman's doing a great job of of, of grouping together no. draft Mm-mm. capital after the Manta trade. Why Why would Detroit want him? Uh, because you want me to list to you their four best defenders? Yes. Biega, Troy Stetcher, trash, trash. Danny DeKaiser, trash. Christian Juice. Trash. Oh, I see. What the heck? <laughs> what are you going to... That That is a young core who is, as much as I hate to admit it, on the come up. They're working their way up. You got to get something going there on defense. And if a top a top guy like him is going to come available, and you have the draft capital to maybe pay, overpay maybe, you know, he's going to be a, a free agent, but you don't want to take that chance. If you can get him to re-sign with you and give up uh, a little bit of draft capital, maybe a pair of seconds, maybe mm, a pair of seconds uh, seems to have worked for defensemen in the past. Shut up, Nick. Nod, nod. Shut up. Devon, Dave. Shut up. I'll take it. Uh... So it's just it's interesting to me that I think Detroit is a landing spot. Go ahead and give me your top spot that you could say. You know what I think? Very nice. Uh, I you know what you've kind of turned me around on Detroit. I still don't think that's a top spot, but it could be a spot. Uh, I really like Edmonton. 
Uh, they're a team. I that, have that written down as they're well. They're a team that clearly needs defense. Yeah. Maybe they can make a trade with picks and Yamamoto. The only, yeah. Maybe the, pull the RV, something like that. The thing that I see as an issue right now is they only have $1.6 million in cap space available and a flat cap. Yes. I mean, for the next couple of years, we're looking at a flat cap that's not going to go up, so they're not going to get any help. They would need to free up some space. And the only other team that I actually have, uh, and I think this one maybe you don't have, Boston Bruins. Ooh. They are lacking defensively. They have Charlie McAvoy and a bunch of guys who are as good as I am. Uh, that's not true. Uh, but I think... Jake DeBrusque. J- Jake DeBrusque is a forward. Um, <laughs> oh. Oh, oops. 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 Um, I... <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I-, I think Bruins could be in on him. They, in my opinion, they need some better defensemen. I mean, they lost to Dan Char and replaced him with Jared Tonorti and... Uh, Zaboral, who was having a decent season, but he's injured at the moment. Uh, one of those picks that they took before the Matt Barzell pick. Yeah, um, they have a lot to figure out in Boston. They right do. Now. I'm looking at their. I'm that, looking at their cap friendly, and right now they only have three hundred forty-three thousand dollars available. They're going this year. I don't think they re-sign Taylor Hall next year. He really wants to stay there. He might take a team-friendly deal. Uh, you that might, be right. might get him there. You might be right. But you're looking at David Krejci, Taylor Hall, Andre Kasha, all coming off the cap. Nick Ritchie. The, no, 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 well, I mean. They're free agents, UFA and RFA. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, but they're going to have to re-sign some of these guys. They're going to have to find some cap room. Could it be impossible? I don't think so. I think the only thing that's going to hinder them a little bit is Tukarask is becoming a unrestricted free agent yeah, at the end ooh, of the season. interesting. So, I, I like their, their, their kid, Swayman. I think he's a good player. Uh, just going back and just looking at you scrolling through Cap Friendly here. Uh, Not me doing work. Yes, of course. Uh, McAvoy, elite, obviously. Matt Grizzlick is having a great season, great playoffs as well. And so is Mike Riley, actually, their trade acquisition from Ottawa. I yeah. really like Mike Riley. Um, they have, you know, I, I joke that all other defensemen are as good as I am. Uh, they've, they've got a decent core, but I really think bringing in a Seth Jones, a, a true, you know, top-pairing defenseman that they could put with McAvoy would put their team in a really good spot. You know, you as long as you have Marchand and Bergeron, who are, you know, on the older side, um, you got to keep going for it. Now, this isn't saying that the Bruins are out of it by any means uh, as far as the season goes, but I think they – I would love to see Seth Jones go there, just from a hockey perspective. Yeah, and I think that's a totally fair point. Uh, team I didn't even really think about there. Um and I think the Edmonton thing makes sense as well. I just wanted to bring up, yeah, like I said, they only have $1.6 million in cap room this year. They have some things to figure out. But Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Tyson Berry, mm-hmm. and uh, Adam Larson are all becoming free agents. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, is it is he he's, an RFA or UFA? He's a UFA at the end of the year. Wow, really? So if he doesn't want to go back, they could use a center. You flip UFAs. You get them both re-signed. Nugent Hopkins in Columbus. Seth Jones in uh, oh, wow in Edmonton. It's that an interesting thing interesting. to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Look at you, Nick. I know. I know. I You're think so good. I think hard. Damn, this guy's awesome. My big brain. Big uh, brain. <laughs> you just galaxy brain this whole thing. I kind of did, but now we're kind of way off of the schedule that I ah, made. So let's keep fuck. running through it. Uh, last real thing we really want to talk about here is uh, the draft lottery. Uh, as it came out this week, um, the Buffalo Sabres take the season. They go on to win the uh, the draft lottery as it goes. Buffalo at one. Seattle will go at two. Anaheim at three. New Jersey at four. And then Colombo at five. So if they need a guy, they can get a guy. Only thing is, no one's played all year. No one has any idea how good people are. Yeah. It's probably the worst draft to have a high pick in. And if you're Seattle... 
you've kind of got to draft your core for the next few years in the first couple rounds, and no one knows anything because the OHL didn't play all year, uh, the Q didn't play all year, and the WHL played about four games. So, and overseas, you get a little bit more. Those guys are a little tougher to, to read on. Um, yeah, that's tough for Seattle, and it's hard to predict if that team's going to be as good as Vegas was just straight out of the gate. But they won't be. I I, I, so I tend to, to agree with you, Nick. I don't think they will be. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league, but no. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs or even make a run for the Cup final like Vegas did. Yeah, that was that was a Lunatics. once in a lifetime thing. I yeah, think yeah. Uh, a lot of I think what happened there is a lot of GMs said, "Hey, we're going to go ahead and trade multiple okay guys." and make sure we keep our, quote-unquote, what they thought was their best guy, who turns out to not be their best guy, and then you're giving multiple guys just over and over again to Vegas, and you've got a full string of 12 forwards and six defensemen, and all of a sudden you're a great team, and the Pittsburgh Penguins go ahead and they give up Matt Mur- and they give up Marc-Andre Fleury, probably the greatest goaltender uh, probably in the league at that point, and for nothing. So, you know, Nick, I forget. I blame, I blame Pittsburgh for what happened that oh, year. Oh, totally agree. Okay. Uh, I don't remember what podcast I heard this on. It might have been Puck Soup. It might have been 31 Thoughts. It could have been awesome. Shout Out, out Obstructed Views. Uh, I... I remember hearing something about how, you know, when Vegas was grabbing all of these second and third liners, and a lot of teams were making trades to get these guys off their roster because of the cap that they were making. Right, exactly. Um, Really, any NHL player that you see has been playing at the top of their game throughout every single facet of their playing career until they get to the NHL. All of these guys are elite players on their teams. And then they get to the NHL, and then, you know, you, you settle into a third-line role. Maybe you're not as good as some of the elite elites. I think that's that's a big problem with a lot of guys is that they're so good throughout their entire lives that maybe they don't always have to work as hard or they don't have to face that adversity because they're so good. And then you finally get to the best of the best, cream of the crop, the NHL. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're not as good as the right. rest of them. But you haven't seen them your whole life. And so what did Vegas do? They took a bunch of guys who weren't given that opportunity, and they gave them the opportunity. Yeah. Look at William Carlson. He scored, what, 40 goals that first year? A career, yeah. Uh, a player that you could put on your top line. Of course, Vegas doesn't at the moment. Their top line is pretty sick right now. Jonathan. Although, I don't love Chandler Stevenson playing center, but nonetheless. Jonathan um, Marchessault. Yeah, another no. guy. Didn't get the chance. Riley Smith. Top line guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. They, they, they've got those players that they gave a chance on and they hit. Yeah, they also took some that they that didn't hit, but you know that was a few years ago, and now they've turned into a perennial cup contender, in my Correct. opinion. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of where Vegas is sitting at. But what were we talking about? The draft lottery, the, the draft, <laughs> and I have a couple of notes here. Uh, I'm did did you do any? Did you did you look up anything for the draft? He's shaking his head. Yes. Okay. Yes, I, I did. Wait, I want to get to this really quick. Okay. So we discussed the top five: Buffalo, Seattle, Anaheim, New Jersey, Columbus. Yeah. I don't think any of those teams move those picks. Um, no, because I think there's a set, maybe I don't know all of them, but there's probably a set group of guys that I know the top two, the top two are Owen Power and William Eklund. They are consensus number one and number two guys. Beyond that, there's probably a couple of, uh, there's probably a couple of guys that you can look at and say that they are, um, not too bad and that they have a good, uh, scouting on that they can figure out exactly who these guys are they can feel comfortable drafting them at three four five um so i don't see a reason to but i do feel good that joe sackick has moved all but his first fifth and seventh round picks that's good Uh, there's a great 
this is the if there was ever a year to move all your picks out it's this. and not want to take anybody, it's this year because it's there's there's no guarantee on really anyone. Here's um, here are the picks I want to watch as far as moving goes. Because again, Nick, you mentioned it. Yeah. This is the year to move your picks. It's a crapshoot. It's an absolute crapshoot. I think all the GMs B- know. Besides that. the top two or three, it's a crapshoot. Right. Um, New York Rangers sitting at 16. I expect them to move that pick. Flyers at 14. I actually expect them to move that pick. I right. think the Flyers are a team that had a really tough year. I believe they had some COVID issues early. Carter Hart was just bad this season. I think that he's going to bounce he back. Could, he's so he young. He can immediately bounce Goal back. Again, never he's four he years is. old. Yeah, <laughs> he can bounce back. Um, and the last one, actually, is who I'm really excited to watch this offseason are the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah. I think they're going to make a lot of moves. I think they actually make a push on Jack Eichel. That'd be an interesting spot. I think the Rangers are also an interesting spot, and they so, have their first rounder. You have them on that list. That's definitely an offseason discussion of what is going to happen to Jack Eichel because yeah. there's a lot going on there. Sticking with the Buffalo thing, I just want to list out some little bit of stuff on Owen Power. Owen Power, Canadian kid, went to the University of Michigan this year. Six foot five, two fourteen, offensive defenseman. So Ooh, just a little taller. That's a than lot I am. of size. Dude, this just, is, just a little taller than I am. It's a mongrel. Yeah. Uh, this year at the University of Michigan, twenty six games played, three goals, thirteen assists, sixteen points, plus eighteen. We know wow. plus minus is an arbitrary stat, but plus eighteen is pretty frigging good. Uh, and then at Worlds, he had three assists in I think like six or seven games. It wasn't a whole lot. Uh, but what really excites me about that. In Buffalo, not a whole lot to be excited about, especially if you're going to be moving on from Jack Eichel. Darlene, Owen Power, Ristolainen, those are three great, great defensemen. And it reminds me a lot of what's going on right here in Denver, buddy. You've got Makar, Gerard, Bo Byram, who should be your top three, but Jared Benar refuses to put in Bo Byram. I'm going to tell you to pump the brakes on that, actually. I'm going to tell you to pump the brakes. On these I, three or I, on Bo Byron? I, no, <laughs> on, on the Buffalo three. Because I think Ristolainen has started to decline a little bit. I don't think he's as good as he was a few years ago. And I would actually like to see them move him. Because wow. bu- Buffalo, Ristolainen is up there in age. I don't think Buffalo is going to compete anytime soon. First of all, they're probably going to trade Jack Eichel. They should. They a thousand percent should. It's the, unfortunate, the, but they should, yeah. The package that they would get for Eichel would put them in a spot that they need to be. Uh, move Ristolainen as well. Get all of these assets and then build around Sam Reinhart, who is a stud. I love Reinhardt. Yep. Yep. Build around Reinhardt. Build around Tage Thompson. Build around Middlestat. I know I know he's had a struggle, but I still think he's a good player. Honestly, I'm more on Middlestat than the day he was drafted. I did not yeah. like Middlestat at all really? in that draft, yeah. and he has really shown me that maybe – it's not as important. Yeah. Now, is it him that has shown me that? Or has Cole Caulfield taught me that size doesn't matter? <laughs> I think Cole Caulfield's doing more for Casey oh. Middlestat than Casey Middlestat is doing. Debrinkat paved the way for these guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think they should move on from Eichel and Ristolainen and build around Owen Power and, and Rasmus Dahlin. That's a great top pairing, though. That's hey, a great oh, top pairing. Dahlin, absolutely elite both, top pairing. Yeah, they pairing. can move. They, they will be. Both move the puck. Dahlin had a tough year. Yeah, Dahlin did have a tough year. But he's playing on the worst team. Who Can't didn't have it. a tough year? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So that's where I'm at with that. And then just real quick, just want to touch on William Eklund, Swedish kid, playing the SHL this year, which is obviously known a men's league. Yep. It's a lot of full-grown men, so it's tough to have a good year. You're not going to get point-per-game players like you are in the Canadian leagues or in college because those are 
those are kids playing against kids. But in the SHL and the European leagues, Russia, you're going to get kids playing against men. Uh, William Eklund, 5'10", 172, playmaking center. 10 goals, 12 assists, 23 points in 40 games. Minus 2. 1-1, one, one, one goal, one assist, two points in the playoffs in the SHL this year. I think that's a great piece for Seattle to build around when they when they inevitably do take him. Uh, just starting with a center, a second overall center, that's great. Like you need your your one C is yeah. your most important piece. Yep. Then from there, you can kind of go anywhere. You can go to goaltender. You can go to your defense. You can get him. You can get him a winger. Things never worked out in Winnipeg. Why? They had Patrick Line as their best player. He's great. He's a top line winger. He's not a center. Doesn't drive play down the middle of the ice. It's tough for them. That being said, I think that Eklund can be a great piece for for Seattle, and uh, and I'm I'm honestly more excited for Seattle to come into the league than I ever was for for hey, Vegas. Yeah. Me too. I just I think it's going to be more fun. Uh, and it's going to be tougher. It's gonna, it's a tougher road for them. Especially, and it's un- really unfortunate that Vegas is exempt from this draft, even though they're possibly going to go to two cup yeah, finals in the yeah. first four years. I think they should be in the draft. But uh, it's it's cool to see Seattle come in, especially after seeing what Vegas did, how they were able to maneuver with the trades. Uh, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing, you know, how does Seattle, you know, do, does Seattle take a page out of Vegas's book and make a lot of trades? Uh, and you know. One GM can say, hey, you have to take this player, but we'll give you, you know, our second line, whoever, right? Yeah, so yeah. we'll see what Seattle does. I'm really looking forward to that. But It'll be interesting for yeah. sure. There's and a lot. second overall pick. Yeah, there's a lot to look forward to in that Seattle team, a lot to watch for. Um, and also to watch for, me and Buddy uh, started last week, and we said we wanted to kind of do this every week, and we're going to create an intro piece for it at some point. But we want to stick with the locks of the week for our DraftKings sports betting. We don't have the sponsorship yet, but we're working on it. Not yet. We're two episodes in. Give us a break, people. Yeah. Uh, okay, buddy, give me your first lock of the week. What do you like for this week for betting purposes? All right, so uh, it's a little tough to do locks of the week at the moment because there are so few games. Because, right. again, we started a podcast in the second round of the Stanley Cup Finals. As uh, smart Stanley people Cup do. Playoffs. Uh, as smart people do. I love, 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 love Islanders plus 111 in Game 6 to close out the series. On Long Island, they're underdogs going back to the Coliseum to close out the series. They're up 3-2. I do like that. And they're underdogs? I do oh, like that. Boy, I would put a lot of money on that if I were a betting man. Yeah. And sometimes I am. I, I uh, What I have as my first is I didn't put the plus minus on it because I just think the rest of the way I like it. The, I, mean, I know you said earlier, Colorado scores a lot of goals. It sure takes a lot of goals to win these games. I do like the under in all those games. Oh my god! Both teams are You're locking it down. Under? Well, I like it. I don't bet the life is too short to bet the under. Okay, so then why is it your lock? Because I think it's gonna hit. I'm okay, not gonna. That's fair. That's okay, fair. Okay, okay. My okay. lock is don't bet the over. Does that make it better? I, I guess. Okay. Oh well, boy. The I just think bo- five. And I just half? like Phil Grubauer, Mark Andre Fleury. Both teams are about to lock it down defensively. Nobody wants to make the big mistake. And I really think that these games down the okay. stretch are going okay. to be 3-2, 2-1. see where you're coming from, but I totally disagree. Okay. I think these games are going to be 5-2, 6-3, 4-2. It still even hits the over. But, hey, they're your 
locks. For now locks. on, I'm keeping track. Okay. Like we yeah. didn't we didn't we last didn't week. keep track last no. week. We're gonna keep track this week. It was a it was last week was a trial run. All yeah. right. This well, is real. Now should we also keep track because the other lock I have is a player to score. I mean, those are hard. Yeah, I also have one of those as well. All right. So, so we'll figure something out. Because, what do you like, have? I have because again the game is tomorrow, so we can actually you can actually see this and bet. Maybe you fade me because I've never won a bet before. <laughs> um, Casey Sezikis to score is plus four twenty five. Oh, that's good. Those stats are those stats. Oh boy, um, those odds are fantastic for Casey. Uh, I mean, just give him a chance at the empty net. He's already hit one earlier. He had an overtime winner uh, in game two or one. Was it? it was game two, I believe. Yeah. Um, Casey Sezikis at plus four twenty five to score. That's the same odds as Kiefer Bellows to score okay nick is Kiefer bellows playing right now uh you're shaking your head no the answer is no (laughs) Kiefer bellows hasn't played a game in the playoffs and he and casey zizekas have the same odds to score a goal tomorrow uh so i like the islanders to win at plus 111 which is the line it is right now at 5 31 p.m mountain time uh and i love Kiefer bellows (laughs) see now i'm saying it i love casey zizekas to score in game six. In, in game six at okay. plus 425. Okay. Well, I wrote it down. I know this game's already going on because we're watching it, but I have Nikita Kucherov to score in game five. So That's pretty fair. He's only plus 175, but it seems like he always is showing up in the big time rolls because he didn't play all year. Anyway, um, all right. Last thing I want to touch on real quick. We're at 104.25. I would just like to throw out there, do you have a player of the week? I told you to write it down, but I don't know if you did. Oh, a player of the week. In what sense? And which player blew your mind this week? Hmm, that's a good question. All right, I'll uh, start first while you think. I've got one. Cole uh, Caulfield. Right. Okay, cool. This guy is absolutely the real deal, and okay. I can't wait to watch him play. And that's it. That's all I got. And that's all he has. All right, I'm going to go with Montreal as well. Obviously, it's hard to stay away from those guys because they just played the series of their life. Uh, Carey Price, 4-0 this week. Fair. 1-4-9 goals against average. 9.35 save percentage. That's... Vesna, that is, if he had put up those numbers all year, that's runaway Vesna trophy winners. Yeah. Um, obviously, easier to do in four games than it is over a 56 or an 82 game season. Uh, but I really do like Carey Price, uh, and I thought he he was great this week. So I'd like to continue to do that. Pick a player of the week, a guy that really that really impressed you throughout his week. Um, and uh, and maybe as we get into next season, maybe some fantasy hockey players as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well. That's about everything that I have written down in this rundown to talk about. We're a little over what we wanted to go to, buddy. Unreal. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just, uh, do you have any last-second thoughts on uh, what happened in this past week, the week that was or the week that will be? Uh, the Islanders continue to surprise me, uh, getting outshot 45-19 to 19 or something in, in Game 5 and coming away with a Still 5 win. Wow. A, very, a very normal game that we watch. I hate the sport. Uh, the sport makes zero sense. Um, no, man. Crazy, crazy week. We're going to recap, you know, the, the week coming up in a week from now, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, uh, think, uh, I think what our plan will be moving forward is really try and shoot for the weekends. Um, yeah. But Early week, if, if possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think following Islander games would be a great a great move for us. Following Avalanche games is a fine move, yeah, too. Yeah. Um, just based on, based on what we have going, I think that's really what we would be looking to do, obviously, tonight didn't work out that way it just works out better for our schedules that you know buddy is here and like i said we're heading over to game five i don't know how many times i can mention that but i'm going to game five and i want to poop myself (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't be more excited okay yeah uh, buddy has nothing really to lose in it but 
Uh, cool. Well, I love this show, buddy. I think it went well. I think you actually brought some notes. so I'm I ex- did a little work. I deserve a little credit. I No, I deserve a lot of credit for doing a little work. Just like my real he job. He feels good about himself. All right. Well, if... Uh... All right. Well, make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, it definitely helps us out. We are able to see our views, but liking and subscribing makes it so much easier for us to see the kind of following that we have and what we're able to do with it. Uh, and then after you do that, go ahead and head on over to Twitter and follow me at at Schmitty999 uh, for great avalanche content that you feel as though... Maybe it's what you're feeling, but you can't just put it into words because I just throw shit at a wall, and sometimes it hits. Uh, you can follow me at Buddy Peck. Uh, I tweet nothing but sad Islander tweets because this team makes me want to scream. It's mostly sad Islander tweets, and then uh, once every few days you'll see a picture of the same old fucking bus. Yeah, it never ends. Never ends. Oh, boy. Good day, Islanders. All right. Well, any final thoughts here, buddy, or are you good? Uh Let's go to game five. Let's go to game five. All right, let's go Avs, let's go Isles, and we will catch you on the flippity flop.